So we are, we are in a Big Dreams series, and uh, I think you guys, if, how many have been to the whole series? Raise your hand. You've been here for the first two weeks? Praise the Lord. All right. So a little recap for the rest of you. Uh, dreams are so important. They, they don't only change the world, they change you. In fact, when God wants to change a nation, when God wants to change a region, a city, a family, a person, he puts a dream inside somebody somewhere. Dreams are huge. We learned in the week uh, to kick it off, week one, we learned that actually dreams are connected to your health. If, you, if you're not dreaming, you actually can get unhealthy. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it talks about, um, it says in the King James Version, where there is no vision, or you could say dream, the people perish. And I used to read that and think, if you don't have a vision, you're going to die. That's not what it's saying. It's talking about an internal death, a slow and internal death. When people have no dream, the NIV says they cast off restraint. They basically will come to a place, position, posture, where they, 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 they don't care. I remember this, uh, I think it was Genesis song, I don't care anymore. Remember that song? I don't care what you say. All right, anyway, um, you didn't know I knew Genesis. Praise the Lord. It's not just in your Bible. It's a great band. But anyway, he said, I don't care. That's what happens when you don't have a dream. You, you'll, you'll, you'll cast off restraint. You kind of live with a case, sarah, sarah. But it will slowly kill you. And a lot of people are living without dreams. They're living without vision. I love how it says it in the message. When people, Proverbs 29, 18 in the message, the paraphrase says, when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. In fact, when you don't have vision, when you're not living with a dream, then you'll, you'll trip, you'll fall, you'll fail more often because you don't have something out in front of you. Because what did we learn last week? We learned that your target has to have, a, your faith has to have a target. You have to have a bullseye. What are you, what are you going after? Otherwise, you're just going to wander. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna meander. You're going to do worse. You're going to fall into something. And, and people get off track. But it says when, when, you, when you do have that vision and you attend to what the Bible says God reveals, so that's a dream. So we don't want a, just a dream for you. We want a God-honoring dream that, 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 that is for the purposes and plans of God. Are you with me? When you attend to what that is, God says you're going to be blessed. How many want to be blessed? So we got to be dreaming again. And so my heart for you is to dream again. And then we learned last week that dreams are communicated differently than the way you and I communicate. We, we communicate on this temporal plane. We communicate uh, with words. But God, God's language is pictures. Every time God speaks, he, he, pull, he wants to pull you out of this realm because he's not subject to this dimension. He's not subject uh, to this natural world. God is a spirit, and he sometimes wants to speak to us by the spirit. Can I have an Amen. And li li listen, you may not realize this, but when you became a Christian, you became a person. You are a, uh, a spiritual being having a human experience. I'll let that sit for a second. Some of you might not process that. You are an eternal being because Jesus is in your life. You don't just, you, you don't, you're, not, you're, you're, you're in a human experience, but you're a spirit being. Because when you gave Jesus your heart, your triune being came alive and the spirit part of you will live forever. John 17, 3, this then is eternal life that they might know me, Jesus Christ. So eternity doesn't begin when you die. Eternity begins when you know him, and it goes on and on forever, and you just transition from a human experience to a spiritual experience forever with God in a new incorruptible body, which mine is going to be jacked. 
even better. Even better. Praise the Lord. I don't know. I'm calling it in in Jesus' name. Calling in favors, favors, favors. They're going to call me Arnold Schwarzenegger when I'm in heaven, you know. Praise the Lord. Redeemed. Sanctified. But, but Acts 2.17, one of the theme texts, <laughs> one of the theme texts says it like this. In the last days, how many know we're there? You are here in the last days in Jesus' name. I think we're there. And there is this period of grace and favor that's on the church because God wants to do some huge things. And so he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Everybody say, I'm all people. All people, he's going to pour out his spirit. And then he says three things. You're going to see people prophesy, young people prophesy. You're going to see people have visions. And old men and, and older women are going to dream dreams. All three of those are not words. They're pictures. That's why God says we have to see what he says. We have to see what he says. We learned that in Habakkuk last week. So God is speaking. His language is, is, is through these things and through these pictures. And God wants to get a big picture or a big dream for your life so you can accomplish big things for him. Are you with me, everybody? So the, the premise of this whole series was to get you dreaming again. Today, I'm going to make an assumption that many of you have a dream, but I want to encourage you not to give up on your dream today. Some people are giving up on their dreams. Are you with me? Can I toss this at you, Dev, or somebody? Here, Chris, let's see if you can catch. There you go. Praise the Lord. I just, it's getting in my way. Oh, did it hit him? Oh, praise the Lord. All right. Here's what happens, okay? Here's what happens. People, um, they get a dream, but they, that they get discouraged because it's not coming to pass right away. And, and what happens in that situation, I remember this old commercial. I'm dating myself. Some of the old people got to help me out. But there used to be this commercial uh, on TV where this, where this lady's in the, she's in a bathtub. Hang on. So this is not a Bathsheba story. Uh, she's in a bathtub, and there's bubbles everywhere, and she's, lay, and she's exhausted. She's just overwhelmed. She's like, Calgon, take me away. Does anybody remember that one? Five people. Praise the Lord. It's a very outdated analogy. All right. But it, it's, just, it's just that's how people feel sometimes. They're exhausted. They're, they're depleted. They're defeated. Maybe there's somebody in this room, and, and you have a dream, but... But you, you're not seeing it come to pass, and so what do you want to do? You don't want to go face life anymore. You just want to pull the sheets up over your head and give up and resign and, and just, can, can, we, can we just move on? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, this is a promise from him to you and I that I want to unpack more. It says, God will never, everybody say never. never. Come on, everybody say it. Never. Never. never let you be tempted. You could say tested beyond what you can bear. But with that, with what? With that experience, that bad day, that it seems like it's taking too long, with that trial, but with that, he will give you the ability. Who's going to give you the ability? God will give you the ability to stand up under it. So here's something that you don't like, but it's true, and I'll unpack it. He will never give you more than you can handle. Hey, what's going on? Mm. Wow. Uh, he, that's, a, that's a demon in the form of a fly. Praise the Lord. But he will, none of you saw that. He will give you more. He will never give you more than you can handle. Amen? But sometimes we just like, we don't want to process that. And so we go into church. We got a Christian smile on. We got a, everybody, people say, how you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You ain't blessed. You, you're cursing. You cursed your kids on the way into the, from the parking lot to the pew. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're like, you know, praise the Lord. A few minutes ago, you were cursing your kids. Like, so help me, God, if you guys don't quit it. Stop your bickering. Stop your bickering. That's what my mother used to say. My sister and I would be fighting in the back seat. Say, stop your bickering, bickering, bickering. All you do is, all you do is bicker, 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 bicker. 
And so we put on a front and we live with a mask and, and, and then simultaneously we look at other people and we think they're not having any trials, difficulties, or challenges. And we're comparing and all these things are arresting our ability to move forward and believe God. Some people look at my wife and I'm a wife's teaching next steps right now. Otherwise, I'd pull her up here for this. But, but sometimes people look at us and they think, you know, like, oh, man, I wish I could have Pastor Derek and Stacey's life. Their life's perfect. I mean, everything, everything they touch is the Midas touch. Everything just, just turns to gold. Everything's great. All their kids just love Jesus their whole lives. Their marriage has been perfect from day one. No, no, no idea what you're talking about. Absolutely no idea what you're talking about. My wife and I would be getting ready. I can remember years. Every example I give usually has about a five-year gap, okay? So it's like five years ago, all these things, all right? That's what, that's what I'm going to tell you for now. But anyway, uh, but I can remember, <laughs> but I can remember uh, under this idea, trust me, everything's not what you see. I can remember, um, you know, getting ready to do a marriage retreat at Connect. It's coming like on a Friday night, and my wife has not talked to me in three days. I remember that. I remember that. I remember coaching a parent in an office about problems they were having their, with their kids, receiving a text message, and my kids were in detention at school that day. So I'm like coaching you. This is what you need to do with your kids. This is how it should go. Blah, blah, blah. Beep, beep, beep. Oh my gosh, my kid's in detention with the principal. I got to go pick him up. Like literally, I, 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 sometimes it's just you, you look and you think you see what you see, but it's not necessarily. I remember training pastors. I'm coaching pastors in another place, getting a phone call, and they're telling me one of your staff is about to quit. You know? And so it, it, sometimes we don't see reality. Sometimes we think. Sundays, you look at this, praise God, I'm so grateful. You know, we have services that are full and God's blessed us, but it wasn't always like this. There were some Sundays like, I wanted to quit. I didn't even get to Monday. I wanted to quit on Sunday. Sunday services weren't going so great. Come in, AC doesn't work. Everybody's sweating, losing like 30 pounds during the service. The lights are flickering. Something doesn't, the videos don't work. We spent all week on. You know, this, I'm not picking on my sound man who I love, Diego. This is not about him. But sometimes the, the sound man's giving me feedback right during the altar call. And I, if you want to give your life to you, And in those moments, I wanted to give the sound man some of my own feedback. But I knew that the salmon actually had control of the service. And at any moment, he'd go, we're done with you. <laughs> That's enough preaching for today. I'm just trying to dedicate a message to, to, to some of you who on the outside might be smiling, but on the inside want to give up. That's all I'm trying to say. It's not, everything's not like, like what you see all the time. Are you with me, everybody? So here's my big idea. My big idea is that dreams are conceived long before they are achieved. Dreams are conceived long before they are achieved. There is a space between what God put in your heart and what comes to be, the reality. And I'm here to encourage you today in the middle. Turn to your neighbor and say, we in the middle on some of these things right now, okay? And what do you do when you're in the middle? Well, you cannot do a series on dreams without talking about this particular character in the Bible that I waited for for the last message, and that is Joseph. Joseph. Anybody heard of Joseph in the Bible? He's known as, by definition, Joseph the dreamer, the dreamer. Let me read this, this old biblical story and paraphrase some things for you. Genesis chapter 37, here's what's going on. Joseph had a dream. I had a dream. 
And when he told his brothers, now, now get the context here. He's got ten brothers. He has a dream. Can't wait to tell his brothers. And the Bible says they hated him all the more. Yep. Now, they didn't just hate him for what he told them. They already hated him. Okay, so that's the context. Why did they hate him, Pastor Derek? Well, probably because he's the baby. He's the favored one. Dad gives him all this swag to make him look good. Gives him this cool coat of many colors. And, 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 and he's the spoiled brat. Okay, that's what's going on here. And he says to them, to his brothers, listen to the guys gather around. Listen to the dream I had. We were all working out the sheaves of grain in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright above you all. And while your sheaves were gathered around mine, you all bowed down. Sorry to tell you this, guys, but you all bowed down to it. That, that's, how, that's how Joseph opens his dream. Okay? Now, this, this, reveal, this story reveals right out, of the, right out of the gate why Joseph's dream didn't come to pass. Why? Because he's got an attitude problem, and he's got character issues, and he's incredibly immature. Are you with me, everybody? So some of the reason that there is space between what is conceived and achieved has to do with some stuff that we have to grow in on the inside. Are you with me, everybody? When, when you're working on your dream, God is working on you. Remember that. God is working on you. There's character development, and often that's why there's distance between conceived and achieved. Genesis 37, 19 says they spoke. The brothers pipe up, and they say, here comes that dreamer. They're mocking him. Come now, <laughs> the Bible's funny to me, let's kill him. Now, you might think that's mean, but if you've ever had a brother and sister, you've said that about your brother and sister. I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill him. All of you, how many brother, have brothers and sisters? Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, you've all said, don't look at me like I'm telling something that's not true. You've all thought about murdering your siblings, okay? <laughs> so they're like, let's kill him. They're like, ah, let's just throw him into a pit. And then they say to dad, an animal ate him. And then we'll see what happens to his dream. You know, and so they go off that way, all right? So here, I want to give you three truths about your dream. Number one, don't give up on your dreams even if it gets off to a bad start. Because <laughs> when you get your dream, history happens. Certain events happen. Opposition comes. And you will, if not careful, conclude that you are disqualified because of those things that happen to you. You received the dream, and then something came in and tried to communicate to you that this is never going to happen again. I've had people say to me things like, Peter, you, you don't understand. I understand God's grace is sufficient, and he forgives our sin, but you don't know what I did. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know, you don't, you don't know the trouble I see. And they pull out their violin, and they have specialized and, and, and produced a particular song that makes everything Jesus did for you not apply to you. And God wants to say to some of you, no, God forgave you. You just need to forgive yourself. God didn't disqualify you. You disqualified you. Are you with me, everybody? My daddy used to say it like this. Failure is not a person. It's an event. It's not a person. It's an event. It's just something that happened. And actually, everybody say actually. Actually, your failures, your mistakes your, the things that you think disqualify you are the very reason God actually wants to use you. He specializes in using people who think they're disqualified because of their past and their mistakes and their problems and their challenges, et cetera, et cetera. He's always done that. 
He does that with Saul, who became Paul, who became uh, the, 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 the super apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the Bible that you're reading every Sunday and every Monday and every Tuesday and Wednesday, I hope in Jesus' name. And he's the, he's, he, he uses him, Paul. How did he, what, why? Well, it's amazing. He decides, hmm, I want to advance the New Testament church, and I want to build churches all around. Let's see, who should I pick? I think I'll pick a murderer. Yeah, I'll pick a murderer. Saul of Tarsus was a murderer, and not only did he murder people, he murdered Christians. I'll pick somebody who murders people who are mine. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to him while he's walking along, doing his thing, and I'm just going to appear to him supernaturally, and I'm going to put a spotlight on him like a UFO out of the sky, and then I'm going to speak to him, and I'm going to totally turn his life upside down, and I'm going to blind him, and then I'm going to send him back to the people that he was trying to kill, the same people group, and I'm going to try to, I'm going to tell him that I want to be on your team. So Saul has this experience on the road to Damascus. You can read it for yourself. And God speaks to him and says, why are you persecuting me? I want, I want, you, I want to use you. And Saul accepts that. And there's this conversion experience, and he was one abnormally born. The Bible says, and he goes and he decides, this is true. I want to serve God. He's real. And then he goes back to the disciples and he says, hey, 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 hey. It's, I know that I used to murder your family and friends, but I'm on your team. God told me. Can you imagine? He just, and Paul's like, he wanted to use me. Me. I, I, I'm like the worst choice. So I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've done. If God can use a murderer to advance the kingdom of God, he can use you. He can use me. Are you with me, everybody? I love the scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul speaking. I thank, I thank Christ Jesus, who has given me strength, and he considered me faithful. He wasn't faithful, though, but God considered him faithful. I want you to personalize that. He, he considered me, and he considered me faithful even when I wasn't. God applied something to Paul that he didn't deserve, and Paul rose to that. He accepted that and moved forward because of that. It says in the second part of that verse, appointing me to his service, even though, everybody say even though. Even though as a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, you fill in your blanks. Even though I struggled to get out of school, even though I messed up, even though I lived and succumbed to sexual temptation as a young, as a young man, even though I was born with insecurities, even though I had a spirit of suicide on me at an early age, God, even though all that happened, God chose me and he chose you also. God didn't disqualify me because of my past. He used it to qualify me to help people into their future. Can I have an amen from somebody in this church? You need to say like, Paul, I can't believe he picked me, but I'm so glad he did. Yeah. Amen. Number two, write this down. Don't give up on your dream, even if your dream is full of surprises. See, you need to know something. That on this road, this journey you're going on to big dreams, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Listen to this. I'm going to be honest with you. There's going to be more downs than ups. Yeah. See, Pastor, could you be more, be more positive? I'm positive there's going to be more downs than ups. There's probably going to be two times more I want to give up than I want to go on. Let me, let me read some examples to you. Like, and just tell me if these things ring a bell with you. But Joseph, you know, in the beginning of his, of his ministry, let's just say, prior to his dream coming to its fulfillment, he's sold into slavery. We're not going to murder him. Let's sell him. So his family foster human trafficking. They sell their brother. 
Now, in this particular, you know, sequence of events he goes through, they don't kill him. They sell him. And while he's sold into slavery, do you think do you think Joseph, in that situation, thought he's, his dream's going to go on or give up? It's going to give up, right? Then he's living, remember this, he's living in a strange country, far from home. Go on or give up? Give up. This is crowd, crowd participation, all right? We got go on, give up, okay? All right. Then later he's given favor in Potiphar's house. He becomes the chief of staff. He, he, he gains favor from this, from this leader. Does that make you want to go on? Yeah, it makes you want to go on, right? So go on, not give up, okay? Then he's falsely accused in that house. Potiphar's wife tries to have sex with him and, 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 and just beguile him. And, and he, in integrity, runs, like the Bible says, he flees from youthful lust. She grabs his coat to try to rip his clothes off him. And, and he keeps on running. She holds on to them and uses this as ransom to tell her husband, this man was trying to sleep with me, lies and falsely accuses him. Would that make you want to go on or give up? Make you want to give up. And then because of that, falsely accused, he's thrown into prison. Would that make you want to go on or give up? Then he's put in charge. While he's in prison, he finds favor uh, with the warden in this horrible prison. By the way, the prisons there were underground. They were absolutely miserable. The warden, he, 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 he curries the favor, gains the favor of the warden. And this warden, I'm sure, wasn't like a great dude. He probably looked like Quasimodo, like walking around. And it probably wasn't the eyes of the warden. It was probably an eye. And it was like, just, I just imagine the warden, you know. And, 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 and so he gains the favor of this warden. And, 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 and in that situation, do you think he might want to go on or give up? Go on. It's awesome, all right? And then he's forgotten shortly thereafter. This cupbearer, he interprets a dream for the cupbearer. Cupbearer gets out, and he's in front of the pharaoh, and... And Joseph says, when you get there, can you just remember me? Can you tell him who helped you with this? And does the cupbearer remember him? No, he doesn't. Does that make you want to give up or go on? Give up, okay? And then he was in prison two more years. Would that make you want to go on or give up? Give up. Then after that, he interprets another dream. And this particular dream is significant because nobody can interpret it. Finally, he gets in front of the pharaoh. He interprets the dream and the pharaoh. The, the king of the most powerful nation of the world says, this guy is the real deal. He appoints him to second in command of the most powerful nation of the world. He becomes the prince of Egypt. Would this make you want to give up or go on? But my point is there was twice as many occasions to give up as there were to go on. Are you with me, everybody? This is something you need to be prepared for, and that's why we need to come to church and hear messages where we can be encouraged to hold fast, to never give up. Why? Because Romans 8.28 says, and we know, Christians know this, that in all things, everybody say all things, trials, tests, God works, everybody say God works, for the good of those who love him, who have a dream that is according to his plan or purposes. You need to know that God is always working. And if it hasn't happened yet, it's because he's not done yet. Amen. He's not done yet, everybody. Amen? Amen? Number three, write this down. This is good. Don't give up on your dream even if it takes too long to realize it. Even if it takes too long to realize it. I wrote this in my notes on Saturday. But, but God's dreams are not microwaved. They are character paved. See, some of us get a dream, and we want to, like, see it come to pass right away. If God answered the way you wanted him to, you would literally drown yourself. 
you would hurt yourself. You're not ready. It's like giving a minor keys to the car. It's this incredible blessing in the right hands, but it's, it's, it's something that could destroy you in the wrong hands at the wrong time. Is everybody with me? And so my favorite verse of the day is this one, Habakkuk 2.3. It says it like this. Sometimes it just takes a while. It says, these things I plan won't happen right away. Tell us, tell us the truth here. But slowly, steadily, surely, the time will approach when the vision or the dream will be fulfilled. It seems slow, sir, man, boy, girl, but don't despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be what? Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. God's timing is perfect timing. He knows exactly when you need that thing to be fulfilled. He knows exactly when you're ready for it, when you're equipped to drive the car, when you're equipped to handle that blessing. But we live in a chase world, a chase commercial. Remember the chase commercial? I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. That's how we are. We're instant. We're instant, instant cereal. You know, we, we, don't, we don't even, we like things microwaved, not character paved. I want it all and I want get so get your credit card out. You know, hey, you might be able to do that in the world, use your credit card, but you can't use credit with your character in development with God. Are you with me, everybody? That's why Galatians 6 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, everybody say proper time. Only God knows the proper time. We will reap a harvest Say it out loud. If we do not give up. Come on, say that again. If we do not give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up. Turn to your second choice. Second choice, tell him, even you, don't give up. Okay? So now that we've been encouraged, I want to give you three principles. Literally, if you accept these, if you, if you, if you hide these in your heart, they'll change your life. I'm not kidding you. Very seldom do I say something like that, but I want to teach you how to hold on to your dream, okay? Here's the first point. Ready? Are you ready? This is super important. Recognize and value the process. You have to recognize and value the process. When something is happening to you, God is doing something in you. When something, whatever it is, you need to see it right. It's so important. Sometimes we're praying, Lord, Lord, take it away. Instead of, Lord, Lord, what are you trying to say? We just, we, just, we just want it gone. We want, we want symptomatic care. We don't want true cures for our character. A lot of times my kids, when we were growing up, I had four kids, but when they were young, I don't want to go to school. And I'm like, what do you think I said to that? You're going to school. Like, I don't care. If I, if I let them do what they wanted to do, where would they be today? They're go you're going to school, number one, because you got to get an education. Number two, because when you get older, you're going to take care of me and come off my payroll, and I'm coming on yours. All right, but but sometimes it just it just we we don't we don't want to go through the process. I don't know how to say this, but if you'll go through the process and embrace it, actually things will go faster later. Okay, okay, let me say it like this: when I when this church, I had a dream for this church many years ago. God showed me what it would pictures. I learned pictures, you know, and and, and and it's not about numbers, but but it was a healthy church. Okay, global influence. All kinds of stuff that the Lord showed me. I told you, some of my bucket list I, I, I can't share with you right now because it would be misinterpreted. But he showed me those things, and, and, and I've hidden those things in my heart. But there's been some times where it's, it's taken so long. I remember talking, for the love of Moses, Elijah, 
Elisha, you know, I'm, I'm like complaining to God. It's taking so long. And, and then he spoke to me. He said, son, you'll go further faster if you wait a little longer. In other words, if you have the mindset that there's something I'm doing right now, then later things will accelerate. And, and I have examples of that where that's happened in my life. And, and, and here's what I wrote in my notes. There's no progress for the person who won't embrace the process. There's no progress for a person who won't embrace the process. So you had a moment where God gave you a dream. Good job, Derek. And you need the moment. You need the moment where God gave you a dream to help you through the heat of the moment when everything's coming up against it. You're going to handle the heat of the moment. You had to have a moment where God, God showed you something. God revealed. The pain of ministry sometimes is sustained by the memory of the moment that God gave you in the past. It helps you. So you need that. That's why I want you dreaming again. That's why I want you writing it down. Because you got to go back to what you wrote down. That moment is critical when the heats of the moment come upon you. Are you with me? But between those two things is a process. And there's no progress if you don't embrace the process. And some of you, to be honest with you, I don't know how to say this pastorally, but you don't have the, you don't have the shoulders to carry the weight of your calling. That's why it's not happened yet. You don't have the spiritual shoulders that carry the weight of your calling. Some of you are waiting to be discovered when you need to be in the weight developed. I should have got a better amen or at least an oh me. Some of you are like, God, where can't you see? Can't you see? And God's going, yeah, I see. I see some. Trying to get around. I'm trying to get inside some of those things in your heart. Are you with me, everybody? So don't pray these trials away. Every storm is a school of leadership. Every test, God is teaching. Every experience is an education. God is using all of it to develop you. James chapter 1 says, consider it pure joy and pain. Just kidding. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I yet to meet somebody that, that, that um, you see them and like, whoop, whoop. I'm like, what's going on? I'm in a trial. <laughs> somebody bounce around, hoo, 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 What's going on? I'm in the trial of my life. You don't see that very often because they don't get this. Because, see, God want, you, you want God to give you this, but he wants to give you all of that. Let me explain this to you. This is what he says. Oh, my gosh, this is a good point. Ready? Ready? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let, so, so you're going through it. That's the process. Let perseverance finish its work so, so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want something. God wants to give you everything. Oh, I'm going to amen myself. That was such a good point right there. Praise the Lord. That's going to change people's lives. Amen, amen, amen. So pray. Don't pray. Give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Pray. Develop me. So that I can get to, I want to see it accelerated. Number two, here's this huge. Refuse to let offense stop you. Refuse. The, the, offenses are going to come, everybody. The Bible says it. It's inevitable. Some of you are, are holding on to offenses right now. I had, this is going to be very graphic, what I'm going to say. And this, I think it's close to the five-year rule. But I had a woman who I was trying to help, and she literally, she really pointed my finger. The devil spoke out of her, and she said, I'm going to destroy your life, Pastor Derek. I actually had a person tell me that. Straight up evil. And something jumped off me, off her, onto me, where I got not only hurt, afraid, but also hurt. And then I, and it morphed into just bitterness and resentment. And, and the Holy Spirit showed me, 
first of all, you got to run from that evil. Get away from that. We don't, like, try to rebuke evil. Just, just get away from that, okay? Like, you don't try to discipline, I should say, evil. But I realize that I have to, for, I have to release that. i got to get away from that because the, I wrote this in my notes. Resentment will stop your dreams dead in their tracks. Because you're so preoccupied with what they did to you, what they spoke against you, and you're holding that thing in your heart. Resentment will stop, somebody needs to hear this, your dreams dead in their tracks. Look what Joseph did. His brothers, again, sold him into, into to slavery. Now in this particular point, he's 40 years old. He's, he's, he's a big dog. In, in, in Prince of Egypt, he's walk like an Egyptian. He's got the little snake on his head. You know, the, you've seen the movies, you know, all the white garb on, the gold bracelets, the black makeup under his eyes. Can you see the picture? Yeah. Walk like an Egyptian. All right, so I'm just trying to take a picture for you, right? There's famine in the land. All the nations of the earth are coming because he, he saw this was going to happen, so he stored away food in silos. The whole world's coming to him, including his brother's. And they come to him not knowing who he is, and they're at his feet wanting help. His brothers show up, and just like the dream predicted that he originally presented wrong, they bowed before him. <gasps> wow. What would you do in that moment? If you didn't get over this, if you didn't get over this unforgiveness and this resentment, I'll tell you what, Joseph's dream never would have happened. You would have probably said, I curse you to the pyramids to build pyramids with bricks and no water for the rest of your lives. May the flies, may a thousand flies follow you everywhere you go and torment you in your armpits for all eternity. Like, would he have been okay to say something like that? He would have been well within his rights. Did he have the power to do that? But he didn't because he was different because he embraced the process. After all he went through, he says, I'm your brother. Their eyes must have just bugged out of their heads. Wait, 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 wait. You walk like, you're not a, you're my brother. Pull the makeup off. He's my brother. He, I can't even believe. And the greatest verse maybe in the whole Genesis story here for this, Genesis 50, 20 says, my brothers, you intended this for harm, but God intended it for good. I went through all that. But God was using it, not so that I get something, but I, I don't lack anything. I don't lack anything. Because he realized something that you need to realize and I need to realize that our, our problem is not with people. The devil uses people, but your problem isn't people. It's a spiritual problem. It's something you got to get on the inside. That's why it says in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against that person. It's not that. It's not those haters. It's not that evil woman. It's not your husband or your wife. It's got silent in here. It got silent in here. Something's going on. It's not your boss. It's not that. It's against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of the devil in heavenly realms. It's about the devil trying to stop your dreams dead in their tracks. Are you getting something out of this today? I'm going to have the worship team come or the, at least somebody come. I, I want to move to message points to ministry points, okay? I, I'm literally going to read the word of God over you, but here's my final point, and you can stop taking notes. Write this down. Remember, I want you to remember something when you leave today. God is always with me. 
God is always with me. In the in-between, in the middle, between conceived and achieved, God is always there. He's al- so I want you to say it out loud. Confess it with me. Say, God is always there. Say it again. God is always there. Would you stand to your feet while I read this over you? In Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, this is, you know, right after Joseph is sold into slavery. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And then he ends up in prison in verse 20 and 21. It says, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor. I love this in Psalm 139. God speaking to you. God speaking to me. If I go up to the heavens, guess what? You're there. Of course, God, you're there. It's in heaven. But then he says, if I make my bed in the depths, you could say of hell. He says, you are there. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is a refuge and strength. I love this. Then ever-present help, parentheses, especially, close parentheses, in trouble. When you're in trouble, God is there. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8 says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. See, some of you, I, I, I got to pause here. I, in second service, I can take another second. Let me just say this. I, I remember my son, he was, he was a young man, a young boy. I took him to the basketball court. I was trying to teach him basketball. Didn't know anything about basketball. Now he can't stop doing it. But I remember him playing a little one-on-one. And he was playing as a, just a really young boy. I think he was like five years old against an adult. The adult was playing defense on him. And this adult knocked him down. Remember, and my instinct was, whoa, and I wanted to get in there, and I was going to save him, and I literally felt like God pulled me backwards, like, no, 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 watch, 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 watch this, and I watched Devin kind of, he was getting emotional, he wanted to cry, he was right on the edge of like just kind of giving in, you know what I'm saying, in that moment, and then he, ah, he sucked it up, and he popped back up on his feet, and he, bam, dropped into his defensive stance, and he went into foot fire, no, I'm just kidding. Some of you don't know about that is. But anyway, he pulled himself up. And I was like, that's my boy. That's my boy. He's going to fight that big dog. He's going he's to shut him down. Sometimes, let, let me ask it like this way. Was I there? Did I care? Was it the best for, thing for him to stay back and just be there? Sometimes you've decided when you read verses like this and you hear things said like that, that you think, God's not there. He wasn't there. If he was there, he would have... He would have. He could have. I'm just telling you, God is there. And he knows what's best for you. And he will never let you go through any kind of trial that you can't stand up under it. Get back up off the ground from it. A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. I'm telling you, God is there. Are you with me, everybody? Jesus in his final days, final instructions he says, I teach all of them, Matthew 28, 20, to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I just want you to know something. Some of his final words. I'm with you. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, there's all kinds of people in this room that God has given a dream. And I'm praying that you help them to dream big again. Lord, I pray that they would embrace these principles, that between what is conceived and what is achieved is a process. It's a process. And at the proper time, when we've learned the lessons, when we've matured, when we've developed, when we've persevered, that dream will come to pass. Help us to embrace the process in Jesus' name.
I just want you to know, God's speaking of every person in this room. God is with you. God is with you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today, and I would just ask you a different question. Is God may be there for some, but is he in here, your heart, for you? Is God in here? He's there for some, but he's in here for you. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure. You're not sure that you've come into relationship with him. And I want to say you can. That could be the number one reason you're here. I would say Jesus, the most important thing is that you be in relationship. We don't want you to join our church. We want you to join Jesus. Jesus wants to be in relationship with you, but you have to say yes to him. Surrender to him. Invite him in. And maybe... Maybe you've heard that before, but you've never done it before from your heart and confess with your mouth. If that's you today, every eye closed, giving that person that chance to have that moment between God and them and just me. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Good and high so I can see you. Good and high. I want to have that confidence. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Good and high. Don't want to miss you. Don't want to miss you. Sir, all the way at the back. Yes. Thank you. I see that hand, sister, in the middle. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Don't want to miss you. So good. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Church, would you pray with them? This is an important moment. I know some of you have done this many times, but for some it's the first time. And this is an eternity separator. So just say this from your heart. Everybody together say, Jesus, today is the day of salvation for me. I want to live the dream that you have for me and not the dream that I have for myself. And it starts by surrendering my life to you. I choose of my own free will to give my life fully to you knowing that you'll give me back more than I could ever ask or imagine, living a life on purpose for Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, seal it. Seal it unto the day of redemption, Lord. Their name's written in the Lamb Book of Life, and the Bible says that angels are rejoicing. There's a party in heaven because people made that decision. Whether it be one or a hundred, we celebrate with all the angels in heaven right now. Come on, let's all give the Lord a big hand clap. Many people gave their life to Jesus today, all services, all locations. We rejoice that sinners have come home in Jesus' name. God bless you, everybody. I hope you were encouraged to dream big again. Amen.